0: Welcome to Heckham World Weekly, the nation's only weekly podcast for the reverse mortgage professional. This week, we bring you part two of our exclusive interview with Karen Hill, a name familiar to many of you due to her previous tenure at the Department of Housing and Urban Development, where she supervised the home equity conversion mortgage and other programs in the Office of Single Family Housing. In the conclusion of our interview with Karen, we'll be discussing the Collateral Risk Assessment or the second appraisal, reviewing the effectiveness of previous HECM changes, the Congressional Budget Office's proposal to eliminate the growth rate of the principal limit or line of credit and other risks in the HECM program. Today, Karen is speaking as a private citizen, having retired from the Department of Housing and Urban Development. We join Karen in this episode where we left off in part one.
1: Appraisal risk is is probably one of the biggest things that we have to to concern ourselves with in terms of the property value. In looking at the 2014-2017 HECM cohorts, that those seem to have a positive economic value today. And I frankly believe that that in particular, that area in particular, was related to the fact that we implemented numerous changes when we did the final rule, And we actually, even before that, with some of the specific policy implementations that were done, say, between 2014 and 2018, uh, have really made a difference in the quality. I think that it's also now been seasoned enough that we could make and really focus on evaluating what are the key kind of things that we change, how, how are they affecting the performance of the program, uh, whether that's financial assessments, changes that were made around the, the uh, appraisals. Um, all of those things now should be able to have at least some ability to evaluate whether they are having pro- a positive impact.
0: Karen, recently the CBO or the Congressional Budget Office made four recommendations to shore up the financial stability of the HECM, and one of those was the elimination of the principal limit growth factor, or the line of credit, as many call it. What impact do you see that could have on tenure or term payments, or, or if any, if it's enacted?
1: I think that's something that, that, that's very important to the program. Um, I think that getting rid of that would be a we, we've talked about it before. You know, it, it certainly has come up from time to time as, as people are concerned about the program and some of the issues. But um, I frankly think that all four of those options, and maybe they could be tweaked or changed or reviewed in, in a different light, but the way that they, that they currently are proposing uh, would, would be difficult for the program. Now, one thing you could do is you could you could have a couple different options. I suppose if somebody was willing to take the loan, uh, you know, without that in it at a lower price, or you know, somehow that the, that the product was, you know, a little different without that growth line, you would think that you would, you know, you might be able to offer both things. I think just getting rid of it across the board would be difficult, even though it might be something that the that the public wants and that the borrowers want and that certainly the people that are supporting these programs and offering these programs had felt was important to the success of the program.
0: I would agree with that. That's it seems simple on paper, but I would imagine that underlying growth rate of the principal limit is part of the overall math in the HACM to ensure that the funds are there for the 10-year payments or future cash disbursements.
1: Right, Exactly.
0: Speaking of cash disbursements, we've seen numerous cuts and you'd mentioned, you know, twenty seventeen being one of the biggest, October twenty seventeen. So we've seen principal limit factor reductions, first year distribution limits, financial assessment. Are there any other risks that we need to address today? And we're seeing some improvement.
1: On the origination side, there might be things here and there, you know, that would be helpful for specific kinds of transactions, but I think on the whole that the program continues to, you know, offer a very positive option for borrowers to be able to stay in their homes and to be able to access equity in the property. And from what I see from the things that are starting to change and some of the things that are being recommended, that, you know, so far, I I think that it's good. I I understand that we're looking at the condo policy. That's been a problem that uh, has been kind of sitting for a couple of years and not being actively addressed. And now that seems to be on the agenda, uh, you know, to get that out. So I think that they're really, you know, it seems to me that focus is, you know, on taking care of these, some of these issues that have, have been kind of there for a while.
0: One of the more interesting ideas you had mentioned is the idea of default counseling for a borrower as a routine element of HACM loan servicing and loss mitigation. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more?
1: I know when I was there that the housing counseling group and and then the FHA folks that were supporting the program talked about that a lot. There was there was I think it's definitely something that everyone thinks is a good idea to provide housing counseling um, or to to provide counseling not just you know at the beginning of the loan, but in terms of any kinds of issues that come up in the servicing area. I think that this whole idea of research and kind of a holistic view of the seniors that isn't specific just to this program, this program is an important part of, of that, but I think the focus on finding some solutions around senior needs. Is very important, and this University of Illinois program with the funding longevity task force, I think, is going to be really interesting. The other thing that I would suggest is to really focus on evaluating the impact of the policy changes that have been made over the last 10 years, and there are a lot of folks that are, are looking into this. You know, the University of Ohio doing a lot of work on, on evaluating impacts of the program changes and so on, um, I would like to see them be able to really go, look into the financial assessment. And, you know, we, we collected income and expenses and credit and, you know, all of that. It would be interesting to be able to now, when I mean, we kind of said when we implemented it, that over time, when we had something long enough to be able to go back and actually start evaluating it, you know, maybe some things would come up that would be changed or need to be changed to really understand that, you know what, this really did work. It really reduced our risk. It's a little hard to do that when the loan is still active because you don't know for sure what's going to happen you know, by the time something passes away. But I think that There's enough data there now to be able to actually sort of really do a deep dive into that, evaluate whether or not any changes are needed to that aspect of the program.
0: Karen, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we'll have you back in the near future as you begin working more closely with the uh, Academy, formerly the Funding Longevity Task Force. We really appreciate your time.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: That concludes our exclusive interview with Karen Hill. Return next week for more reverse mortgage news and commentary. If you're not there already, go to heckamworld.com. There you can find our latest breaking video commentary and analysis. And don't forget, you can listen and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Thanks again for listening and be sure to return next week.